everyone. I want to welcome you, especially if you're visiting with us. And I couldn't help but think, as uh, people were getting baptized, that it was answering a prayer that I've been praying. And you've heard me say this a lot. Paul said in 2 Corinthians, I'm praying that God's grace will spread to more and more people and that it will cause the abounding of thanks to the glory of God. And each time a person gets saved, God's grace is touching another person. And for eternity, there's one more person that's going to give him the praise and glory that he deserves. And what a blessing that we get to be there to, to share in that celebration and praise him. And as we pray for more and more people to be touched by God's grace, we're thankful that you're here. And perhaps this morning you'll be touched as well and strengthened if you're already a believer. If you have your Bible this morning, I want to invite you to turn to the book of Romans chapter 3. This is such a cool passage. If I, if I had to say, Lord, this would be a good day for everybody to be here, this would be it because it's considered by many uh, Bible scholars and Bible teachers to be one of the most important passages in the book of Romans. I'm going to make a little room here. Room here. I might get too excited. We can't move that piano, but so um, just clearing the runway. Okay, if you don't have a Bible, we have plenty of Bibles. As Anne said in her testimony, she came here and we read the Bible. I didn't grow up like that, so it may be new to you to be like, wow, they read right from the Bible. I hope that you'll take one of these Bibles, keep it, start reading it. You will find that many, many people have been totally transformed. As somebody once said to me, I don't care what color your Bible is as long as it's red. <laughs> Explain that to, to, the, to the puzzled ones. Okay, All right, so we're going through the book of Romans, and we're talking about the gospel, talking about not being ashamed of the gospel. Key verse, Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And really what we're learning from the book of Romans is that the gospel of Jesus Christ is the way that God powerfully saves people through faith in Jesus Christ for his glory. And we've been learning how that happens. And so over the course of the last month or so, we've been talking about, first of all, how we need to get right with God because of our sin. Some people call it making your peace with God. Some people call it getting ready to meet your maker. We might call it getting right with God. The Bible calls it justification or getting saved. And that's just absolutely, critically, fundamentally the most important thing, bar nothing else in life, is that Everybody gets right with God before they die. Because if you do, you spend eternity with Jesus. If you don't, you spend eternity in the lake of fire. And so what we found then in the first three chapters is Paul has gone out of his way to show why we all need God's righteousness. We need to get right with God because of our sin. So this morning, we're going to talk about the good news. As Bob shared last week, that was the bad news. The good news, beginning in Romans chapter 3, verse 21 is that we can get right, right with God, that God has provided a way to get right with Him. And I really encourage you this morning to take some notes. Everything I say is copyright. Copy it right down. <laughs> because the dullest pencil is better than the sharpest memory. And there's a number of things. These are not minor truths of the Christian faith. This is the heart and soul of Christianity. So if your Bible sticks together when you open Romans chapter 3, then we've got a problem. Now, hopefully, it's only because this is your new Bible you wore out the old one. But if you've never read this passage, this passage needs to get worn out in your Bible. And by the way, 
Somebody asked me when I became a new Christian, you wrote in your Bible, I don't think God would be upset. He doesn't want you to doodle or Mickey Mouse in your Bible, but you're welcome to underline things or make notes in your Bible so you can find them. All right, one thing we do before we study the Bible is we pray because God teaches us through the Holy Spirit. Now, this is really embarrassing, but I need a brother to hook me up here. I forgot my reading glasses. I left them in my car. Um, George, I tried yours. They, they make me kind of fuzzy. Are they just, yeah, Frank comes to my, or the Bible study at our house. I know his reading glasses work. <laughs> he looks a lot better in them, but they work. Wow, look at that. Okay. Yikes. Okay. <laughs> All right, let's pray. Father, thanks for your word. I pray that the Holy Spirit will just teach us now because we've got to dig in and hear from God. Lord, we heard wonderful testimonies of lives that were changed. Father, this is not just a message for people who aren't saved. This is a very important passage for all of us, especially those who know the Lord. Father, may you seal these truths to our heart. I pray for every Christian in this room, young or old, that we would all come to unity of this knowledge that we would not only understand salvation and how to get right with God, but that we would be able to explain it to others. We ask that you will help us in Jesus' name, amen. I want you to take some notes because you ought to be able to throw this passage open with anybody you meet, your kids, and you should be able to walk it through them with them and explain to them how to get right with God. If anybody asks you, what did the pastor speak on today? He spoke on getting right with God. Well, what did he say about getting right with God? I'm going to say three things about it. Number one... Getting right with God is through faith in Jesus Christ, okay? That's verses 21 through 23. Let me say it again. Getting right with God is only through faith in Jesus Christ. Now, we're going to look at these verses, 21 through 23. I want to read them, and then I'm going to make some comments. But now, apart from the law, now, I don't like to do this because I don't want you to get lazy, but you can look up here if you, if you don't want to look at your Bible, but don't. Get out of the habit of reading your Bible, okay? But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested or revealed. Now, I'm going to explain that, but what he means is the way to get right with God and, and, and the righteousness that God grants to us has been revealed. It was, it, it was it's made known. Here it is. How? Well, it's witnessed through the law and the prophets. Well, how do I get right with God? Look at verse 22. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And that's why I said this passage is telling us this. Getting right with God comes through faith in Jesus Christ. I don't care what anybody else told you. This is what the Bible says. And then it says it's for all those who believe. There's no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So there's a couple things I want to say about this, this section. Getting right with God is through faith in Jesus Christ. Number one. Paul makes it very clear, and the Bible makes it very clear, that getting right with God is through faith. It is not something that you earn. It's not as a result of good works, okay? So that's why he says right at the beginning of the passage, it's apart from the law, okay? It's not roadrunners, act me, do it yourself, have it your way, Burger King, get to heaven because you did something, okay? That is fundamentally important, and that's the reason millions of people go to hell, is because they think that getting into heaven is something you do, that somehow, like the old shake and bake commercial, I helped, okay, and almost all religions, no matter how subtle they are, it has something to do with man's contribution, this is what you do, right, even Protestantism, mainline Protestantism, 
Keep the Ten Commandments, you know, be a good person. Roman Catholicism, yeah, you have to have faith in Christ, but you also have to do something. The Bible says it is apart from the law. It's absolutely nothing to do with good works. The Bible says you're saved by faith, not by works, which means no matter how much you think you've been good, you got to just throw that to the ground and say, if I'm going to get right with God, it's not based on anything I've done, okay? Number two, getting right with God through faith is revealed and recorded in the scriptures, okay? This is why he says this. The righteousness of God has been manifested, okay? If I had up here a big white sheet with a sculpture under it, you didn't know what was under there, you'd be waiting for me to reveal it. And when I pull back the curtain, I go, there it is. It's manifested. What Paul's saying is that when God revealed the gospel, he made it clear that the only way to get right with God is through faith in Christ. But notice, he says, it's witnessed by the law and the prophets. So, so it's not just revealed, but it was recorded beforehand, okay? In other words, this book has always taught that you get right with God through faith, okay? This wasn't a, a change in plans, like God's like, yeah, I think I'll write... Rocky 2. Rocky 1 is the Old Testament. Rocky 2, it's a different plot. It's the same story. We get right with God through faith in Jesus Christ. And this is what's written in the Old Testament. This is why if, if you're here and you're Jewish or you have Jewish friends, people always ask me, how do you share the gospel with Jewish people? I said, you simply say to them, listen, the Old Testament scriptures predict a Messiah. Okay, so if Jesus is not the Messiah... Let's look at the Old Testament scriptures and see what they say about Messiah. And they say that Messiah is going to suffer, Isaiah 53. They say Messiah is going to rise from the dead, Psalm 16. They say that Messiah is going to be born of a virgin, Isaiah chapter 7. They say that Messiah will ride into Jerusalem on a donkey, Amos chapter 9. They say that Messiah will be born in Bethlehem, Micah chapter 5. And they say that righteousness from God is something that comes through faith. Genesis 15, Abraham believed God. So this gospel message of getting right with God by faith is not some new plan. Okay? Now there's two things I want you to think about. Number one, if this is true, then this is exclusive. This book is an authority, right? This isn't just, well, there's the Quran, there's the Muslim, you know, there's the Mormons. Everybody has their opinion. This is the word of God. These are, this is, if you believe that the scriptures are written, inspired by holy men of God, moved by God, inspired by God, then this is absolute truth. This is why when people get mad at me, they go, you're so narrow-minded. I'm like, I didn't say it. Jesus said, no one comes to God but through me. Either it's true if it's not true. If it's not true, don't worry about it. But if it is true, then getting right with God is something that he's revealed. So when... when when you're in Sunday school and they ask, how did people get right with God in the Old Testament? Don't say, through the law, through keeping, keeping, keeping God's commandments. It's always been through faith, okay? Third thing about getting right with God through faith. It's readily available to all. Notice what Paul says. This righteousness of God, verse 22, through faith in Jesus Christ is available for all. Why does he say all those who believe? Because he wants to emphasize here, there's no exclusivity, okay? It's available for everybody. 
Now, particularly because of the Jewish mindset here, they felt that they had an exclusive privilege. Like, yo, we're God's chosen. And Paul goes, that's true. But to get right with God is available for everybody. So, obviously, there's no religious priority here. But you know what else you want to, you want to think about? It's available for all sinners, right? The only thing that qualifies you to get right with God is you have to be a sinner. And guess what? You've won the prize. But there are two types of sinners, religious sinners and irreligious sinners. If you're a religious sinner and you think you're going to heaven because you're a good person, throw that down today and get right with God through faith. But if you're an irreligious sinner and you go, you know what? If you knew the things I've done, Pastor, I couldn't tell anybody. It doesn't matter to God. It's available for all. He will accept you from the guttermost to the uttermost. It's free and available for all. And the reason that it's available for all and getting right with God is through faith and not works is because we've all sinned. Look at verse 23. There's no distinction. It's available for all for, and this is a verse you're like, oh, I never read it in this context, for all have sinned. And when it says fall short of the glory of God, I don't like that translation. The, the word literally means they lack the glory of God. There's some, some restaurants that are exclusive. You can't get in without a tie, right? Well, heaven is exclusive. You can't get in without the glory of God. You have to be absolutely perfectly righteous. And this phrase, lacking the glory of God, is something that Jewish people talked about. Okay, This wasn't something that entered Paul's mind for the first time. Let me read you some extra-biblical literature. This is Jewish people. They're not talking about salvation, but this is what they said during the intertestamental times. Adam was stripped of the glory of God. They said, Adam blamed Eve and said to Eve, you deprived me of the glory of God. In other words, before Adam sinned, the glory of God was often manifested by a bright presence. They called it his, God's Shekinah glory. And so when he sinned, he lost that glory of God. It was stripped from him. And when we stand before God, we would never get to heaven by ourselves because we've sinned and we lack the glory of God. You say, wow, okay, so, so God's telling me that if I'm going to get right with God, it's got to be through faith in Christ. Yes, good, that's the first point. The second point, main point, in, in verses 24 through 26, is this, getting right with God is called justification by faith. So we're going to look at verses 24 through 26 now, I think. Do we have a slide for that? There we go. Getting right with God, this is the second main point, is called justification by faith, okay? So look at verse 24. Being justified. There's a first mention of this word, right? Now, when it says being justified in the original language... This, this looks like a, like a participle, but it's really a, a verb. It's, it, it can function in a verbal context. In other words, he, he might just say it this way. You could call it getting right with God, or you can call it justified, okay? 
So what I want you to see in this section is that we are justified with God by faith. That's, that's what it's all about. So he says, being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. All right? So let's talk about this. Number one, let's talk about what does it mean to be justified by God, okay? The word justification is a legal term, okay? It's not some religious term that was made up when Paul wrote this. When you went to court, you were either condemned and declared guilty, or you were justified and declared righteous, okay? So Paul says, we are justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ. So, so what happens is, is each guilty sinner has to appear before God. And there's only two verdicts, guilty or justified. Now, if someone beat up my mom and robbed her and it was caught on video and he came before the, the judge and the judge justified him, I would be really angry because that would be unjust to justify a guilty person. So when the Bible says we're justified, God declares us righteous, there's a background to that that you and I have to know. Or you wouldn't want a God who justifies ungodly people. There would be no justice in the universe. So let's talk about 24 through 26. What does it mean that we, we're justified by faith? Well, first of all, this. This justification by faith, the Bible says it's a gift. It's by God's grace. Now notice this. Being justified as a gift by his grace. That word as a gift is a really interesting word. It has the idea if without, with, without a cause. It's really, it's, it's not even a noun in this passage. It's, it's an adverb. It's used about Jesus in the Gospels when, when it says, they, they, they persecuted him as a gift. You're going, what? It literally means without a cause. There's no reason for it, okay? And, and so it has the idea of an undeserved freeness. Now, the next word is incredibly important, grace. If you don't understand grace, you're missing the whole game, okay? Your ball's still in the weeds, okay? You can know hundreds of Bible verses, but if you don't understand grace, you don't understand salvation, Okay? The word grace always means something that's undeserved. It's free. You don't do anything. In fact, it's even better than mercy because mercy just means I'm not going to give someone what they deserve. So if my son says, he did this once. He's a clever little guy. I said, listen, and this is the truth. I was going to spank him and I was crying. I go, this hurts me more than it's going to hurt you. And he goes, then if it's going to hurt me and you, then let's not do it. <laughs> Great idea. <laughs> Unfortunately, I had to do it. Now, in that situation, I could have chosen to extend mercy, which means this won't give him what he deserves. He deserves to be punished. But that's not grace. Because a judge could show mercy in that he could say, listen, I'm not going to throw the book at you. I'm not going to give you what you deserve. But grace is far more than that. Grace is saying I'm going to give you freely what you don't deserve. So not only will I pardon you, but since I notice you don't have parents, I'm going to adopt you. I'm going to pay your tuition. I'm going to buy you a car. I'm going to make you my child. You're going to live in my house. It's this lavishing of undeserved favor that we, we it, it's mind-boggling. And, and it's so hard for us to grasp because 
Life doesn't work like this, right? There's no such thing as a free lunch. Some of you go, for me there is. If it's free, it's me. I'm on board, right? But, but this is how God works. He operates out of grace. The Bible says, by grace we're saved through faith. And, and the, the problem is, many people misunderstand what grace is. Grace is not something that you earn. So if, if you've been raised in a Roman Catholic tradition, they teach that grace is something that is imparted and infused to you by things that you do. Okay, and this is not, I'm not beating up on Roman Catholicism because many liberal Protestant churches teach that it's something you do. But you don't earn grace by the sacraments. You don't earn grace by getting baptized. You don't earn grace by taking any communion. Look what it says. It's a gift. If someone hands you a gift, you don't say, hey, um, do you have the receipt? How much do I owe you? In fact, that's an insult to God when he says, I hung my son up on the cross, and you go, thanks very much. Now, what's, what do I have to pay? Okay? So this is so important. Getting right with God is an absolute free gift. You're like, wait, like free? Yeah, like, wait, like I don't have to do anything? Yeah, which part of gift or grace isn't clear now. It's, it's, it's mind-boggling that God would love the world so much that he would say, look, I'll pardon any sinner absolutely freely by my grace. Well, what do I have to do to earn it? You don't. You have to come admitting that you don't deserve it. So, we get right with God, and that's justification. Justification is a gift by grace. But when people go, well, then that's just cheap grace. There's no cost. And I go, whoa, hang on. There's a great cost because justification by faith is accomplished through the death of Christ. So yeah, it's free to you and me, but it wasn't free to Christ. This is why Paul says this. He says, it's a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ whom God displayed publicly. When Jesus hung up on the cross, that's why God can give us grace. The word redemption here is an interesting word. There are several words in the New Testament for redemption. One of them means to purchase, to pay for, right? That's not the word that's used here. This word normally means to be delivered. It's a word that's used in the Old Testament of God God rescuing his people out of Egypt. So we're justified through the deliverance which is in Christ Jesus. And how did God deliver us? Well, it says God displayed him publicly as a propitiation in his blood. Okay? So I want you to go back with me in time, 2,000 years ago. Picture Jesus hanging on that cross for six hours that Friday. What was he doing there? What he was doing there is this. A holy God requires that the penalty for sin needs to be completely paid for. If I come to the judge and I owe $100, he doesn't go, just give me 20 and we'll call it even. God's holiness demands that his wrath is satisfied, okay? The word propitiation here means to satisfy his wrath by his blood, okay? Now, I want you to understand something about God. He's not just 
a grandfather up in heaven with a little beard going, children, more candy? I love everybody. My God will never put any... That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible says he is angry with sin every day. Sin is hideous in his sight. And the consequences of sin are eternal damnation away from the presence of the Lord in the lake of fire. His eyes are too pure to look on evil. There's nothing but terrifying judgment, a flaming fire for those who reject this holy God. But in his love, even though he's angry with the wicked every day, even though we saw in Romans 1 that the wrath of God is upon everybody on this earth, because of his love for us, it would have been perfectly fair for him to say, you all deserve my wrath, but because of his love, God so loved the world that he sent his only son. And when Jesus hung on that cross, he was making a propitiation. He wasn't paying Satan. He wasn't going, please, devil, let go of those people. I love them. He was paying God. He was crushed and bruised for our sins. And the wrath of God for six hours was poured out upon him fully so that he said, oh, my God, why have you forsaken me? But when that wrath of God was poured out to its fullest and he drank of the cup of God's wrath, he said, it is finished. And now the reason that God can pardon us is he doesn't go, oh, sin, shmin, let's just wipe that under the table. It's because Christ has satisfied his wrath. That's why in the Getty song in Christ Alone, we sing, the wrath of God was satisfied. And so God doesn't pardon us and, and overlook our sin. He pardons us because Christ paid for our sin. Let me give you a good illustration. This is why the Bible says, flee from the wrath to come. You better flee and lash yourself to the cross of Calvary as fast as you can. Years ago, when the pioneers used to go across the prairie, one of their greatest fears was prairie fires. You can't outrun a prairie fire, especially with a, a caravan full of covered wagons. And so that would mean death for them, this this, this ominous, flaming torrent of fire coming toward them. That's a great illustration of the wrath of God. But one of them came up with a clever idea. If I light the prairie on fire where we're standing, and I watch it burn, and then it clears off an area, I can move all of my people, my stuff, into that area that's already been burned, and I'm safe. Does that make sense? The wrath of God is coming upon every sinner on this earth. But there's a place where there's already been a fire, at Calvary. Christ is a propitiation. In his blood, when he poured out his blood, God was satisfied. And so the only safe place to avoid going to hell is at the foot of the cross where you put your faith in Christ. So this is why whenever I ask people, why should God let you into heaven? And time and again, they go, well, I'm a good person and I try to do this. Your mind, if you're a Christian, should immediately go to Calvary. Why should God let me into heaven? Because Jesus Christ is a propitiation. And through faith in his blood, I stand before God, declared righteous. Please say amen. amen. Or you're like, yeah, that's nice. Are the eagles on tonight? Be gone if that's more important to you than justification or repent. So the last thing we learn about this justification by faith in this section is this. We've learned that it's a gift. We've learned 
that it's accomplished through the death of Christ. But finally, we learn this. It's a demonstration of God's righteousness. Because as I said, if God pardoned a sinner and he didn't pay for it, then he wouldn't be just. So how could God forgive David when Jesus hadn't made a payment yet? And how could God forgive me unless somebody pays for me? So what this last section is going to say is, God can, if, if the cross is here in history, everybody before the cross, if they put their faith in Christ or in God, he could forgive them because he looked ahead to the cross. And everybody who lives after Jesus, God can forgive us because he looks back to the cross. Because Satan is an accuser. And Satan would accuse God of being unjust. You're not just. You cannot pardon a sinner because they deserve your wrath. But God is just because he says, I know they deserve my wrath, but it's been satisfied at the cross. So look how Paul words this. He says, this public demonstration of Christ, verse 25, was to demonstrate his righteousness, to show that God is right. Well, why did he need to demonstrate his righteousness? Because in the patience of God, he passed over the sins previously committed. Why didn't he throw David in hell for committing adultery and murder? Because in the patience of God, he knew that Christ would satisfy his wrath. And he knew that David would repent of his sin. And so he, he was just in the Old Testament pardoning sinners because he knew that Christ's death was coming. But also in the present. If anybody says God isn't just, just point him to the cross. Look at verse 26. For the demonstration of his righteousness now at the present time. So that God would be just. He's still just. But he also justifies. He declares righteous anyone who has faith in Christ. So God's like, there's no accusation against me. My righteousness is still there. I'm just. What, what, a, what a cool thing. Some people call it the divine dilemma. How does a loving God maintain his justice and pardon sinners? Either he loses his justice because he says, oh, I love you guys. I'll just forgive you. Or he gives up on his love. He goes, I can't forgive you because I'm just. But he solves it at the cross. He displays his love and his justice. And so if you have faith in Christ, you're completely forgiven. What a that's awesome. But there's one last thing we're going to look at this morning. The third point. Getting right with God is through faith in Christ. Getting right with God is called justification by faith. And the last thing we're going to see in this section is that getting right with God through faith is both, both exclusive and inclusive. Right? Well, how can it be both? It's kind of like somebody once said the difference between a clique and a small group. Right? You're like, I don't like that church. It's got a lot of clicks. Oh, I love this church. I'm in a great small group. Somebody once said the only difference between a clique and a small group is whether you're in it. <laughs> right? So in a way, somebody says, well, that church is exclusive. No, it's inclusive. Well, when you think of justification by faith, it's both exclusive and inclusive. So we'll look at the last section then, verses 27 through 31. The first thing that we're going to find in verse 27 is that it, it, it is exclusive of one thing, boasting, bragging, right? Paul says, okay, since it's by grace, not by works, it's everything that Jesus did, where is boasting then, right? 
One time, years ago, somebody gave me some tickets to a Yankees game. Face value, these tickets were like $300 a piece. So I'm walking around at this new stadium. If you've ever been up there, it's, it's amazing, right? Walking around this stadium, and I see out in center field, there's this, there's this club that, that if, you, if you get in, you can stand there, and there's an all-glass wall that just looks right down over center field. It's not like a little window. It's like the whole wall just opens up into glass. And there's all these people lined up to get in. And as I'm walking by, I see the, the, the bouncers turning everybody away. Now, I, that's not, they're showing their ticket. And you only had, you had to have a ticket at a certain amount of money. So I pulled out my ticket. And, and he looked at my ticket. He goes, oh, yeah, you can come in. So I just kind of go through the crowd. <laughs> and I'm in there like a, like a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs, like I don't belong here, right? <laughs> These people are dressed differently, you know, trying, trying to pose the best I could, like, you know, I belong here, right? <laughs> but anybody who got in there could kind of say, well, you know, <laughs> it's obvious why I'm here. I'm a big spender, right? But that ain't going to happen in heaven. There's not a soul that's going to be walking down those pearly streets going, do you have a minute? Can I tell you how I got here? pull out their accomplishments. Do you know I didn't miss Sunday school for 41 years? Where is boasting? It's excluded. That's the glory of the gospel. God won't share one ounce of his credit. The Bible says, by his doing, we're in Christ Jesus. If I had a little pole right here, a, pen, a fence post, and you saw a little turtle on top of it, the one thing you would know about that little turtle if you walked by is he didn't get there by himself. And that's the glory of the gospel of grace is, is there's no bragging. It's all for him. It's all for Jesus. It's all about Jesus, him alone. When we get to heaven, we won't be going, thank you, God, that Jesus died for me and I was able to be smarter than other people and go to church a lot and get baptized. It's all of his grace. So it excludes boasting. But secondly, it's inclusive. Paul says, by what kind of law of works? No, by faith. For we maintain that as man is justified by faith apart from works. And then he says this, is God the God of Jews only? See, that was a fundamental problem that Jews had. It's like sometimes some um, guy told a story of going up to heaven and he's, he says, um, Peter shows him around. He goes, that's the Presbyterians over there. He goes, oh, that's cool. They're all singing the power of the blood, and then, then he goes, those are, um, those are the people from Bible Fellowship. Oh, that's great, those are them. Then he comes by the, this one group, and he goes, shh. Peter, Peter says, shh. He goes, why are you telling them to shush? He goes, that's the Baptists. He goes, well, why do I have to shh? He goes, they don't think anyone else is up here. <laughs> See, and that's kind of how Jews, and by the way, I, I consider myself a, a you know, Baptist beliefs, I don't call myself a Baptist. But the point is this, the Jews had this sense that we've got the privileged ticket. And Paul goes, oh, no, no, no. God is not the God of the Jews only. Isn't he the God of the Gentiles? And then, and then he says, here's why. Yes, of Gentiles also, and the next slide will show us. He says, since indeed God will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. The God who does that is one. That's a little awkward the way it's translated, but, but he's appealing to Deuteronomy 6, the great Shema. He says, there's only one God. 
God is one. This is what Jews got up every day. And at their, or every Sabbath, they would go, Shema Israel, Adonai, Eloheinu, Adonai, Akkad. God is one. There's only one God. And Paul goes, is he the God of the Jews only? If there's only one God, and he justifies people by faith, then it's all-inclusive. Jews and Gentiles. Now the Jews are by this time furious. That's not what the Old Testament says. And Paul goes, really? Do we then nullify the law through faith? May it never be. On the contrary, we establish a law. In other words, he says, this is what the law teaches. And that's why you need to come back next week because he's going to prove that in chapter 4. But let's close. Anybody want to know how to get right with God? It's through faith in Jesus Christ. Faith alone, when, when when you're willing to turn from your way and trust God's way. This is revealed and recorded in the Bible. It's readily available no matter who you are, what your past is. Today, Christ invites you to get right with God. The reason you need to get right with God is because of sin. If God asks you, why should I let you into heaven? I hope you would say, because I've been justified as a gift. I've accepted your gift by faith in Jesus Christ. I trust and pray that the Holy Spirit's opening eyes. Somebody going, I get it. I see it. Now I understand. I never understood it, but now I get it. And you make your stand on the gospel of grace. And you put your faith and trust in Christ alone. And you recognize, my God is righteous because Christ satisfied God's wrath. And as Satan accuses you, he says, as Angie says, I still am not a good person. Satan will tell you that every day. You're still not a good person. And, and I just go to the scripture. Where does it say you have to be a good person? It says you need to be justified by faith. And you, and you, and you re- renew your commitment to trust in Christ alone. And since it's exclusive, we as Christians have a tendency to want to look good and get credit. And God goes, no, I don't work that way. But it's also inclusive. It's available to all. So I want to urge you to share this with your children, your friends, your loved ones. We, we went to a seminar yesterday on Voice of the Martyrs, and we saw how the Holy Spirit's working powerfully in the Muslim world. Pray that this gospel of grace will spread to all. And finally, one last thought. Since the Bible says, hey, Frank, thanks for the glasses. Um, <laughs> since the Bible says we've all lacked the glory of God, now that you're a Christian, your heart has been changed. And 2 Corinthians 3 says, now we are all being transformed into the image of Christ from glory to glory. Christians are getting an extreme makeover. And it's not just going to happen when we're in heaven. It's happening now because Christ in us is working to change us into his image. And he gets all the glory, amen? Let's pray. Father, what a wonderful passage of Scripture so free, so gracious. And I want to pray that your Holy Spirit works deeply this morning. If there's anyone here and and you weren't sure if you were right with God or if you were ready, right now, I urge you, right there in your seat, to just say to God, Lord, I believe that I'm a sinner and I can't get right with you by my works and I'm willing to turn and follow you And I believe in Jesus Christ. And this day, I pray that you will justify me. 
And if you've been doubting your salvation today, put your faith to rest at the cross. Lash yourself to the cross and love Jesus for his grace. Maybe you feel that you're, you're too far gone. You're never too far gone for grace. And then, Lord, for the rest of us, we praise you with all our hearts. May the, may the halls of heaven ring with praise when we get there, thanking you for the amazing grace that saved us. But, Lord, help us not to wait till we get to heaven to praise God that we have been saved freely as a gift. And we pray that this gospel message will spread in Bucks County and it'll spread in Syria and China and North Korea and all over the world. And as we close, is there anyone this morning that you would say, Pastor, I want to acknowledge publicly that I've made a decision for Christ. If you would just slip up your hand and say, Pastor, would you pray for me? Because I want to put my faith in Christ. And then I want to talk to you afterward. I want to get your number so I can follow up with you. Anybody at all? that says, Pastor, I, I'm, I, I get it. God spoke to me today, and I, I believe in Christ as my Lord and Savior. Anyone at all, just slip up your hand so I can see you. Boy, hope everyone here has, has trusted Christ. If not, we're glad to talk to you. Thank you, Lord. We love you. We praise you. For those who are baptized, may their joy be full today. For those who will get baptized in the second service, may you just continue to work in our midst. Thank you that there's room at the cross in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.